All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I feel like we already had church. You guys ready to go home? <laughs> that was so good here. Get your Bibles out, if you would, please. Um, we started a, ser- a series, a new series last week that we're calling Better. And the reason why we're doing this series is because I just think the new year, there's so many of us that are um, evaluating the past year and trying to figure out what do we need to do as we head into 2019 to make our lives better. And I think for a lot of us, it tends to revolve around exercise and diet, around relationships and strategies for the future. I think that tends to be how most of us tend to approach the new year. But I think as great as New Year's resolutions are, the reality is that resolutions don't usually last long. Actually, statistics is kind of a funny thing. This is not to discourage you by any means, but statistics show that the the vast um, number of us, our resolutions tend to fall by the wayside by January 15th. So we hardly get out of the starting gates and we're already kind of losing track of what's going on. And so the question that I have for you as we're talking about the series is, what if the power to make your life better really doesn't come from the establishing of these new habits in our lives, but really comes from this new life from the Spirit of God. This is the essence of what Jesus was talking about. Look at this in in John chapter 16, verse 7. It says, But I tell you the truth, it's better for you that I go away, for if I may not go away, the Comforter will not come unto you. And if uh, if I go on, I will send him unto you. See, Jesus said our lives would be better. The disciples' lives would be better if he left so that he could go and send them the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the question becomes, what does this promise of something better have to do with us today? Last week, I mentioned that one of the things I do at the beginning of every year is I take the time to study what the meaning of that new year is all about. And this year is 2019. And I always think there are prophetic things that God wants to do in our lives each year. And so the meaning of 19 in the Hebrew language, it denotes God's perfect order in regard to his judgment. And I said this last week that when we hear the word judgment, I don't think most of us jump up and down and get excited about judgment. Um, Because I think most of us... The idea of judgment is this impending punishment or retribution for things that we've done wrong. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And this way love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so you'll see this all through Scripture that God's kind of judgment here on earth doesn't have to do with punishment or retribution, but it's about God establishing his perfect ways in our life. And so I mentioned this last week that the word that's in my spirit for 2019 is the word plumb line. And I'm just kind of letting that resonate in my heart, even at the end of last year and leading into this year. And I showed you this last week if you were here. This is my granddad's plumb line. This is what a plumb line looks for all of you who aren't maybe not familiar with that old school carpenter term. But a plumb line is something that um, helps or it describes perfect verticality. And so it's used old school in building walls and because it's very easy for them to start not getting plumb. And so a plumb line was used to um, really determine perfect verticality. 
And I had a, a friend here in church build this for me because I think it's a great illustration of what can happen because I think a lot of times when it's constructions, you know, we use nowadays levels to determine what is level in, 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 in an object. But what a plumb line does is that it addresses the, the issue of perfect verticality. And so what happens um, a lot of times when, a, when, a, when an object is put in place is that it, gets, it just gets off plumb. You start straight, and, and then all of a sudden it's, it's no longer plumb. And, and when you put the plumb line to it, now you see exactly how far it's off. And I said this last week that I think our lives can look very much like this. So much of our lives, they look very level. There's aspects of our life that are doing really good, but then there's other aspects of our life that just get out of order. They're no longer plumb. In other words, my marriage is doing really good, but my finances are completely out of order. Or my prayer life is doing really good. It's plumb. It's level. But my thought life is completely out of order. It's no longer plumb. And I just think our lives can end up being that way, where different aspects of our life are good, and there's other aspects of our life that tend to be out of order. And what we do in that case is that we tend to present our lives this way, don't we? I want you to see what is level. I want you to see what's good in my life. I don't want you to see what's out of order. I don't just see what's messed up. And so we go around life really hiding these things that are not plumb. Well, I mentioned this last week. I, I think what God is wanting to do in our lives, and I just think there's, there's seasons that God does different things, don't you know? There's seasons that he works in different, different aspects of our life. But I just think there's something about 2019 that he wants to address the different areas of our life that aren't plumb, to make wrong things right. And I think there's so many different aspects of this. And I think first and foremost, it's important for you to know this is not out of punishment that he's doing this. It's out of his love for us. Because he knows that when our lives are not plumb, when they're out of order, just like this object here, the only way that this is actually sitting on this here is that I had to have a guy come and nail it to this, to this um, stand here because it just wants to tip over. And I think we spend so much energy in our life where we're trying to watch out and be careful because we know deep down inside of us, we know this part of our life is not plumb. And so I have to exert a whole bunch of energy and effort to try not let this topple over in my life and cause damage. I want to try to hide this from everybody else, and I want to hide it from myself, too. And so we talked about this last week. I think one of the things that God wants to do is that he wants to show us these things. And then when things happen to us, when we understand what God's plumb is, what his plumb line is, then when things happen in our life... Instead of just hiding those things, or instead of just saying, okay, well, this is the way it's going to be, I'm just a victim here. No, instead, we can take God's plumb line and say, no, this is what God says. This is what his word says about this situation. And just the scripture says, and I can say, yes, God, to your plumb, yes, God, to what you want, yes, God, to your promises, and I can then also say, no, devil, no, this is not what God has then for my life. And I think just like a carpenter's plumb line doesn't change based upon the, the worker's opinions or the frustration of the worker, I think God's plumb line is the same thing in our life. God's plumb line doesn't change based upon the opinions of man and the trends of our culture. And I think this is so important for us to understand because so often what we tend to do is that we compare ourselves with others. 
And so I look at my life, and even though it may look like this, I look at my life and I think, well, I'm not so bad. I mean, if you really look at Larry's life, his life is way much more out of control than my life is. And so, yeah, may, maybe there's something here, but I'm, I'm doing so much better than Larry is doing. If you just knew how out of order Larry's life was. And so I feel better comparing myself than to other, to other people. And, and I think it even goes further than that because I can look at this and say, you know, this isn't so bad. This isn't, I'm not fully out of alignment here because I, I actually, I identify with being a trapezoidal prism. I don't really identify with being a rectangular prism, and so I'm good with this. This is all, this is all good because this is really who I, who I am and how God has then made me. And so when we look at, um, going back to what Jesus said in John chapter 16, it's the Holy Spirit who is this plumb line in our life. And it's the Holy Spirit who wants to come and show himself in our lives because when our lives are not plumb, it's keeping us from stepping into the better that God has for us. And all the while, we're sitting pretty precariously here in life, trying to hide what it is that's out of order. And so the Apostle John, he says in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said. And so God has a helper. He has the Holy Spirit there. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you with what's going on in your mind and your emotions and with your, your, with, with your will. He wants to help you with your relationships and your finances and your, and your workplace. The Holy Spirit wants to help you when it comes to what's happening in, in your body. The Holy Spirit wants to ha- help you with every aspect of your life. Because the helper, the Holy Spirit, who not only dwells with us, but who's also also in you, it's because of the Holy Spirit that we're able then to walk in the better that God has for us. And so last week we started looking at this issue of that we need to be continually filled then with the Holy Spirit. I think the problem that so many of us though have when it comes to the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit just seems so mythical, right? So mysterious, so intangible. I think for so many of us, that's kind of how we see the Holy Spirit. We have a hard time really understanding who the Holy Spirit, because he just seems so mystical and mysterious and intangible. I think most of us don't have trouble understanding who God the Father is. I think most of us don't really under, I think most of us, we don't have a problem understanding who Jesus, the Son of God, is. But the Holy Spirit? I mean, the Holy Spirit? I mean, is this some kind of spirit that possesses us? Is this some side a gas that fills us up? Is this some side of ethereal presence that overtakes us? Or is it like the force be with you? You know that force in the Star Wars? I mean, is this, this is what we're talking about here? And then if you read your Bible in the King James, it's, then it gets all weirder. Because the King James says the Holy Ghost. I mean, ghosts? I mean, we talk about Casper the friendly ghost. Is that what we're talking about here? When we talk about the Holy Spirit? I think so much confusion happens with the Holy Spirit because of his name. And so I want you to think about this, and this is kind of a little bit of a crazy way to think about it, but what if the Holy Spirit had a more of a common name like Bill? I like the name Bill. <laughs> and so what if the Holy Spirit had more of a name like Bill? Because if the, if the Holy Spirit had a regular name like Bill, then we could say, I'm going to get Bill's advice on this matter. Instead of saying, I'm planning on seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit in regards to this matter. 
Come on, you know what I'm saying? I think just there's something easier to be able to say, I'm, I'm going to go seek Bill's advice in regards to this. And then if the Holy Spirit's name was Bill, then formal churches could call him William and still feel proper. And then wilder churches could call him Billy and get away with it. Come on. I get awake, everybody. I'm, I'm obviously just kidding here. But what I'm talking about, I just think there's so much when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There's so much confusion just simply because of his name. And so the thing that I, so, I think is so absolutely important for us to understand is that the term Holy Spirit, it's not a name. That's not his name. The description is of his role. Just like the Father and the Son describe the, the specific roles of God the Father and God the Son, so the Holy Spirit describes the role of God the Holy Spirit, the role that he plays then in our life. Because that word spirit, in the original Greek language of the New Testament was written, that word, that word is pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. pneuma. And the word pneuma means breath or wind. And so the Holy Spirit is the very breath or the wind of God, which moves in and through our lives. And so the essence of the role of the Holy Spirit in our life is that he provides the power of God that moves and breathes and lives within our lives. Romans 8 verse 11 says, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Acts 1 verse 8 says that you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so think about that, because if you're a Christian, if you've asked Jesus into your life, then you have someone living within you who is God. Because the Holy Spirit then lives within us. He has the mind of God. He has the will of God. He has the feelings of God. And because the Holy Spirit resides in you, he wants to help you to think the way that God thinks. He wants to help you and give you the desires of what God desires. He wants to help you to feel what God feels. And so that's why this is such an incredible privilege, an incredible advantage that God worked out for every one of us. That's why, everybody, it's better for you to be continually than filled with the Holy Spirit. But I think, sadly, too often what happens is that so many of us, we just struggle to live this Christian life, all because we're trying to live this Christian life just in and of our own strength, in and of our own ability. Sure, you might be saved. You asked Jesus to come into your life. And so you might be heading towards heaven, but we can end up spending all of our days here on the earth in defeat and ineffectiveness, all because we're living without actually tapping in to the power that makes victorious living possible, and that is the Holy Spirit. And it's just so easy to leave the Holy Spirit out of our lives and just try to do it by ourselves. But remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 16. He said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you what? Another what? Helper, that he may abide with you forever. That word helper, in the original Greek language that this was written, is the word parakletos, which means comforter, intercessor, advocate, one who comes alongside of. Listen, everybody, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit wants to come alongside of you as your advocate. 
so that you can live this life better than you could ever do it in your own strength and in your power. He wants to make your life better. That's why it's an advantage for us to be continually filled then with the Holy Spirit. Look at this in Galatians 5 or 16. It says, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what's contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to your sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I'm sorry, I'm exposing everything inside of you here today. I'm joking, everybody. <laughs> Come on. Turn to your neighbor, punch your neighbor, make sure they're awake. Say, are you awake this morning? I, so, so this last week, I probably need to explain this a little bit. This last week, we had a prayer all through the week, early morning prayer from 6 from 6.30 to 7.30, and we had things in the evening, prayer throughout the evening, and just amazing, wonderful things that were going on. And, and I, don't, I don't drink caffeine, not because I, I don't want to, but to be honest, I, I, several years ago, I felt like God told me to stop. And I have no idea why, and it took me about four years to obey, and, and then I finally decided, okay, I better probably do what he's telling me to do, because he would just not let up. And so I just don't, I don't drink caffeine because, because of that. And so I love coffee, so I just, drink, I just drink decaf. But I kind of allow myself to have caffeine during these seven days where we're not getting much sleep. And the problem is it messes my sleep up, though because I don't have caffeine, and so all of a sudden I'm having caffeine, and so I slept horribly all last week, which all then led up to Friday night, which then we did an all-night thing, um, all night, and, and so I just have way too much caffeine still in my system here, <laughs> and I'm afraid of what might come out of my mouth, so forgive me. <laughs> this is, though, what Paul's talking about here. Because these are things, he's giving us this list, these are things that just naturally come out of us. You don't have to work at it, everybody. These are things that just come naturally outside of us. These are behaviors that come out of us. But then the Apostle Paul, he goes on and describes for us that if we would allow the Holy Spirit to control our behavior, then something else comes out of our life. Verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, guidance, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self Control. I've had so many people over the years as a pastor, people will ask me this question. What's the secret of being a person of greater patience or greater love? Or what's, what's the secret to being a person of greater self-discipline? Well, everybody, I'm going to give you that secret here today. So get your pen, your pencil out right here. I'm going to give you the secret to this. This is why you came to church here today is to find the secrets here. So you ready? Here's the secret. There's no secret. There's no secret to this because all of these qualities of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, all of these qualities are just natural byproducts of the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. And so that's what the Apostle Paul is describing here when he says live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit because the more you are filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit then the more these things are just natural to us, stop coming out of us, and the more than who the God is, love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness, faithfulness, justice and self-control, these are the things now that are produced within us. Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It is not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. 
It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, probably every single one of us know this verse, right? You've heard it before. If you've ever gone to a wedding, this is probably one of the verses that people choose and use to read in weddings. But the problem with this passage to be used at weddings is that this type of unconditional love is absolutely impossible for us to live by. Have you noticed that? All of you who are married, if you've been married more than one day, you know this to be true, right? (laughs) As much as you want to love your spouse unconditionally, it's impossible to do this. And so the question then becomes, so did God give us a standard by which we just can't do this? He's telling us to love a way that's just impossible for us to do. Well, the answer is yes and no. Because it's absolutely true. You cannot and you will never be able to love unconditionally like God wants you to love. But the other answer is, is yes. Or, sorry, it's no. It is possible for you to live this if... You allow the Holy Spirit to produce this type of love in you. See, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, he says, And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured what? He's poured out what? His love into our hearts. How? By the Holy Spirit who he has given us. And you see this? So it's through the Holy Spirit, then, that we're actually able to walk in this unconditional love towards others. And so one of the reasons why so many of us struggle and we completely fail to love those around us with this unconditional love is because we're never really opening up our lives to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that then puts God's love then into our heart. That's the role of the Holy Spirit, everybody. He wants to put the love of God in your heart, which is unconditional love, so that then you are able to love others around you unconditionally. The great 19th century evangelist Charles Finney, he describes this life-changing experience that he had when he encountered the Holy Spirit, and he writes it this way. He says, the Holy Spirit seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come Um, in ways of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. And so Charles Finley, he's he's describing that when he encountered the Holy Spirit, he encountered this incredible, amazing love of God, and that experience with God's love was so transformative for him that the next day he quit his lucrative career as attorney, and he started just preaching full-time. And he ends up becoming one of our nation's greatest revivalists in all of history. All because he encountered the Holy Spirit and encountered in this transformative love that became a part of his own heart. This is the role of the Holy Spirit, everybody. The Holy Spirit wants to come into your life and cause your life to be so transformed that it's better than you could ever do in your own strength and your power. And listen, everybody, there's so much that the Holy Spirit has for every one of us. There's so much that he has for you. I remember a story a comedian shared about his mother, and and he described it this way. He said, my mom grew up amid great poverty, and when my three brothers and I were young, she scraped by on meager housekeeper's salary while my dad was away in the Navy. When I became successful, I tried to buy my mom many nice things, but invariably she wouldn't use them. One example of this, of this was that my mom had, had toast with breakfast every morning, but she would make that toast in her gas oven under the broiler. 
This was time-consuming, inefficient, and even dangerous. And so in an attempt to try to make her life easier and safer, I bought her a nice toaster. It was a really nice toaster, top of the line. But the next time I came over to her house, I saw the toaster was still in its box and stuck on top of her refrigerator. Assuming that she didn't like the brand of toaster that I'd given her, I bought her a different one. But it also remained in the box and sat on top of the refrigerator. Soon, she had three or four new toasters sitting on top of the refrigerator. Exasperated, I finally asked my mom why she refused to use the gifts I gave her. Her response, she said, leave them on the refrigerator. I'm used to doing it the old way. I think it's a perfect example of how many of us Christians respond this exact same way to all that the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our lives. The Holy Spirit has all this great things that he wants to bring into your life. He's all these amazing things that he wants to, to add to your life, to make your life better here in 2019. But we're just so comfortable with doing it the old way. We're so comfortable with doing it the way that we've always done it. We're so comfortable with being reliant upon ourselves, even though in ourselves there's so much limitations. But I think for so many of us, what we don't realize is that when, when we refuse to receive all the Holy Spirit wants to bring into our lives, then we end up living our lives with much more difficulty and so much less, um, less ineffectiveness for the kingdom of God. And the end result is that we miss out on all the better that God has for us. And so let me encourage you, everybody, don't miss out. It's to your advantage to let the Holy Spirit fill you over and over and over again. And look how he initiates this with us. Revelation 3, verse 20, he says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and we will share a meal together as friends. You know, I think way too often we end up pushing the Holy Spirit outside the door of our lives. And yet... He comes to the door of our lives and he knocks, asking for us to listen to his voice. And he knocks, asking for us to respond to him so that he can come into our lives. Be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. Be that comforter. Be that helper. Be that advocate that wants to bring that so much better than into our lives. As we begin to end here this morning, I want to read something from a book called Crumbs of the Lord's Little One. It was written back in 1853. And it has this old, old English language, and so you kind of have to pay attention and kind of hook your ears into old English here just a little bit. But listen to what was written here. It says, the church is the glory, crown, joy, and fullness of Christ. Over it, he is especially Lord. In it, he delights to dwell as in his own house. And when any of the living stones that compose the spiritual temple meet together in his name, Thither he especially resorts, there I am in the midst of them. But as we may individually walk so as to grieve him and thereby lose the sense of his presence in our souls, we may also collectively so dishonor him by neglecting his word and turning aside from the reliance of his spirit as to render our assemblies powerless and dead. The living presence of Christ may not be experienced and fellowship with him may, may altogether be lost. We may... We may be assured of this, that if we desire to have the consciousness of the Lord's presence with us when we meet together, we must each cultivate communion with him in our own hearts and homes. We shall find the best way to ensure a happy meeting with the saints will be to be happy with the Lord himself in private. When, therefore, we find our little assemblies are cold and, and spiritless, 
let us ask ourselves if our own hearts have been previously wandering from the Lord. For the majority of us bring cold and, and worldly hearts, our collective meetings will partake of the deadness of those mainly compose it. Now, in case you couldn't get, get your ears tuned back to old English, let me translate that just a little bit into our modern language. Because what he's describing here is the more that I foster this relationship and this friendship with the Holy Spirit in, during the week, and the more you foster this relationship and friendship with the Holy Spirit during the week, that when we come together, there's more of the presence of God that we are then able to experience when we are together. And listen, folks, this was written back in 1853, and hey, everybody, nothing's changed. It's what Jesus said would happen, and it's what, the, it's what we see in the early church, and it's the same thing that God wants to do with us even here today, where each of us are individually, we're bringing in and we're cultivating this friendship and this relationship with the Holy Spirit, where we're engaging the Holy Spirit in this continual conversation during our days in our workplaces and in our home and when we're at work and play and sporting events. Proverbs 18, verse 24 has that statement, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Listen, everybody, this is the type of relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with you. He wants you to have that, that closeness with him where you have that, not just the comfort, but you have him as an advocate, the one who comes alongside of you, where this friendship causes you to be better than you could ever be on your own strength. And as a result, when we're doing that individually out there during the week, that when we come then together, there's something even more that we get experience when we're all here together. And so if you would, as we end here this morning, I want you to just close your eyes here. Because I want you just to begin this. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about different aspects of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and what all this, this promise of something better. But I want you to just, just right where you are, just let God begin to put his finger on your, your own life, because I really believe that it's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who stands there at the door of your life, and he knocks, just like that passage in Revelation describes. He stands there, and he just, he knocks on the door of our lives. And so the question be, becomes, what are you going to do? When the Holy Spirit's knocking on the door of your life, what are you going to do? And I don't know about you, but I've noticed in my own life that it seems like the Holy Spirit is usually standing at the door of those places that have gotten out of order. Those places that, are, that aren't plumb in our life. Those places that are messed up. Those places that have become maligned. Those places in our life that We've been trying to justify and excuse those places in our life that we've been hiding. And the Holy Spirit, a lot of times, comes to those places and he knocks on the door asking the question, will you let me in there? Will you let me work in that area of your life? I know what you're showing to everybody else, but would you let me work in this area of your life? Would you stop trying to justify that? Would you stop trying to cover it up? Would you try, stop trying to hide that? He's knocking at the door. And he wants to come in to your life as your helper. He wants to come into your life as your comforter. He wants to come in to your life as your advocate. The one who wants to come alongside of you to cause your life to be better and they could ever be just in and of your own strength and ability. And so will you let him? Will you let him? 
And so, Father, all over this room, we just pause. And we recognize your presence. We recognize you've been right there. Things that you wanted to shift in us in 2018, you're, you're still there. And you're knocking on that door. Those things that we're running away from, you're right there. And you're wanting to make right those things that are wrong. Because of your love, you never give up on us. You're right there. And so, Father, all across this room, instead of just ignoring you, instead of just putting a deaf ear to those areas that you're knocking on, but we want to open the door to every part of our life to let you come in as our helper, to let you come in as our comforter, as our advocate. Father, I, I pray for everyone here that feels afraid. feels fear to open that door. Lord, I pray that just as you did with Finney, God, that your waves of love would overtake every fearful heart. That your love would take over Holy Spirit, would you just come into every part of our life? We call on you here today. We open up our lives to you. The worship team is going to lead us and as part of your worship experience, we're going to take communion here together and the ministry team, if you weren't here last week, I've I decided at the beginning of the year that I'm just going to have the ministry team up front always. That as you take communion, they're just going to be right there just to lay their hands on you. Um, and they're just going to, they just want to bless you. They just want to release life. And if you want somebody to, to grab a hold and pray, you can just walk her up and grab a hold of them. And, but they're going to just be right there to minister to you. And that's just part of this. And what we switched last week is in order to do this, we're going to have. Each of the sections go in the middle, starting in the front row. You're going to go to your middle and come this way and then out because the ministry teams are going to be after you have a communion. So that really affects this section. You guys have been used to going this way. Now you're going to go this way. So staff, you're going to go first and around. We'll start with the front rows and then just go this way. And as we do this, just, just again, just keep saying yes. I mean, you may not know what all that means. I'm telling you what God has for you is good. You don't need to be afraid. What he has for you is good. And so just keep saying yes. When you take communion, just say yes in this. So if you would stand to your feet, let's do this together.
I, I want you to listen to something. Craig, Craig came up to me and said, there's something that I think really you need to hear from the heart of God in regards to this. So why don't you share with me, Craig, what you just shared. We were singing a song earlier, um, and Ty was leading it, and and I I heard him say, "Do you? F- I feel like something's going to happen." And then later in the song, "Do you feel that? Do you feel Jesus here?" And I do, and I am grateful for that. For those of you who know me, um, twelve months ago, I would not have said that. And then we come to the the, the sermon. And the Holy Spirit knocking, and I think about how many times somebody comes unexpectedly to the door, and it's like, well, hold on, let me brush up over here and put these things back away in the cupboards. Like, I need to clean up as though God can't already see what's going on inside. I just feel like there might be somebody who who heard that, that word of encouragement from Ty, do you feel it? But you thought, I don't. What's wrong with me? 12 months ago, 18 months ago, both, that was me. And I don't have the right answer for you, um, but you know I'm still a work in progress. I want to encourage you to come up and take the first step. If you don't know what it is that keeps you from experiencing God has awakened his spirit in me in the last nine months. And it has been a combination of so many things, praise and worship and prayer and Brian and Kyler and so many others helping to hold me up. If you're new here, if you're not new here, but you're that person who said, I don't, I don't feel it. I don't feel it when I'm singing anymore. You can what was the, the words we were just, I called and you answered? Can we sing that again a little bit? And don't, if that's you, come up. I'll pray with you. I'm not on the prayer team. I'll, I'll pray with you. And if you, want, if you want a professional, we've got others here too. Um, if that's you, I just, I felt like that was me. God, I don't feel, there's something wrong with me. I'm ready to get out of this place. Don't. Take the first step. Don't take the first step. Don't take that action. Take the first step. Come up here and pray with somebody, and let's start walking together through this. If we can sing, that would be good. Yeah. Come on, go ahead and sing it. And you came to
so just as Craig was mentioning, um, the worship team is just going to continue on just a little bit, and and uh, the ministry team are here, and Craig will be here as well. If you would like somebody just to pray with you before you leave here, just to kind of stir that up on you, they're going to be here. I'm going to dismiss everybody else. If you're new here to One Chapel, you have questions about who we are, I'd love to be able to meet you. We have a five-minute party that will start in five minutes, and the last five minutes just right up the top of the of um, the ramp up there on your right and this is a way to say hi for me to get to know you you'd get to know us just a little bit and we only do this for five minutes and so i want to make that available for you and uh, i'm going to dismiss all of you that you want to dismiss you can linger here as much as you want to linger the ministry team's here to to minister to you let me just speak this blessing over you as we finish here now may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and now give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.